This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. In the first part of this talk on the experience of bodhicitta as related to trauma, Reggie tells the story of what the Buddha experienced on the night of his enlightenment, the realization of the totality of life. This excerpt is from a talk given in Awakening the Heart, a Somatic Training in Bodhicitta, an audio course produced by Sounds True. It is available for download in the dharmaocean.org online store. I want to talk to you a little bit about this, in a way, most subtle of all aspects of working with Bodhicitta and also extraordinarily important. If we work with ultimate bodhicitta alone, as many of the meditative traditions of Buddhism do, we can get stuck in a kind of, I'm not going to call it nihilism, but it's a kind of uh, sort of static uninvolvement with our own state of being and our own suffering and the state of being and the suffering of other people and the rest of the world. If you explore the teachings and the practices of ultimate bodhicitta deeply, you do find in that very fabulous, vast and open state of being a real feeling, as we've been discussing, of fulfillment and peace and freedom and joy. So there is a a question at this point. Why would we want to move on? In exploring that question, I want to talk to you a little bit about the life of the Buddha. Because I think the story of his enlightenment really illustrates this uh, conundrum, this question, this uh, riddle. He made a, a long journey, and he spent much of his adult life in the forest, up until his enlightenment, meditating. His life story makes it seem very short and very simple, just a few years. But there are other texts that suggest there was much more to it. And in fact, the more we know about meditation and the spiritual journey, the more likely it becomes that his biographies really are sort of truncating his life and making it the meditative part seem a lot shorter than perhaps it was. At a certain point, he achieved ultimate bodhicitta, or he arrived in the state of ultimate bodhicitta. 
And really, as we've been discussing, uh, it's not a matter of accomplishing anything, but it was a matter for him of seeing in detail that every movement of his ego was an attempt to run away from something. And what it was an attempt to run away from was his his own awakened state, the awakened state that was present in his body called the Buddha nature, and as it is in the body of all of us. He saw that every attempt on the part of his ego to manage reality, to escape from suffering, it was all running away. And he began to, over the course of his career, as we do, he began to explore all the ways in which he was exiting from this very fundamental and very fulfilled state. And he had the same question that we do, which is, once we have practiced the ultimate bodhicitta practices, and we have tasted really um, personally and for ourselves the freedom that is found in that awakened state, in that um, ultimate true nature of our basic soma, our basic being, our question is, why do we keep running away? We still keep running away. And what he realized was that there were a lot of habitual patterns that he had built up over his whole life, and according to Buddhism, many lifetimes, habitual patterns of avoidance. They were unconscious patterns, and they continued to operate so that when he felt threatened, he would just automatically react. He would be triggered, as we say in our language today. He would be activated, and uh, he would run. The only way to resolve that problem is to see the underlying traumas that gave rise to these patterns in the first place. And it's quite interesting in his life story, of course, in ancient India, people were not sitting around talking about traumas. On the other hand, in his life story, his enlightenment, and this is very, very important and very interesting for us, his enlightenment consisted, and we're told that, that on the night of his enlightenment, he saw all of his former lives. He saw all of his former experiences. He saw as if in a mirror everything he had ever been through, every shard of pain, every adverse circumstance, every shock trauma, all the development traumas, to use our language. He saw them, and he experienced them. And this is very important. This is what the earliest connected biography of the Buddha says. He experienced them as if they were happening now. And that is the mark of traumatic recall. We experience them as if they are happening now, because in the timeless realm of the Soma, as we've already discussed, those experiences remain unresolved and calling for awareness and consciousness. He saw them all, and he saw all of the habitual patterns he had developed to try to avoid the pain and the suffering and the torment and the sorrows of all of those experiences, not only of this lifetime, but according to his biography, all of his previous lifetimes.
when we see and when we understand experientially our own state of being with that kind of a completeness, then the ego, which is just the sum total of our traumatic responses, our traumatic habitual avoidances, the ego falls away. There is no more ground for it because we're not operating out of unconscious, unconscious patterns anymore. So his enlightenment in that sense was completely and totally embodied in the sense of coming into the presence of his own life all the way back to the very beginning. There were no more shadows, there was no more, no more unconscious abscesses and hidden traumatic pools that were uh, driving him from the darkness of the unconscious anymore. And that's what it means to be awake. It means simply to be present to the totality of our own life, what it has been and what it is. So this process continued literally up into the moment that the last one fell away and he was completely present. So he, by making room, you know, basically what was left was ultimate bodhicitta. All of the previous motivations and reasons for doing things had fallen away. And it is interesting that on the night of his enlightenment, two very primordial human patterns emerged that he had to deal with, even on the very night that uh, he woke up fully. He woke up to his body and his life. In the mythological rendering of the tradition, it's said that the demon Mara, who is the unconscious driving force of ego, as we would say today, you know, the drive for survival, the survival of the ego, the survival of the left brain version of reality. It's a very deep primordial drive. It's not fundamental, but it's deep. Mara turned up this demon of ego, and first he let loose on the Buddha uh, all kinds of promises of pleasure and satisfaction and fulfillment. You can be safe, you know, you can be happy, all of your wishful thinking can be fulfilled. In the mythological story, these are called the daughters of Mara. They came to seduce him out of what he was doing. You know, but you don't have to sit under that tree. Why are you wasting your time doing that? You're a very powerful person. You know, you can, you can get what you want. And the Buddha saw through that and he saw the lie at the basis of it, which was really his own self-deception, is what he was looking at, that he'd had all of his lifetimes about his wishful thinking. When that didn't work, then Mara brought in his sons, and the sons arrived in the form of horrible, threatening demons that were going to kill the Buddha and destroy him. And then the Buddha touched on another, you know, very fundamental motivation for all of us, which is the fear of annihilation, which we'll talk about later. We're going to talk about both of these a little bit later in the program. All of us on some level, at a very deep level, fear annihilation, and we associate it with the loss of our ego reference point. 
And the Buddha saw through this also, that it wasn't real, that he saw how he had assumed that losing his ego reference points and a belief in the, the reality of his thinking, he'd assumed that to lose that would be annihilation. And he saw that, yes, it would be annihilation of his ego, but not the annihilation of his state of being. It would be the freedom of his state of being. And when he saw that, he let go. And then that was the moment when he woke up. He stepped beyond hope, which was the daughters of Mara, and fear, which is the sons of Mara. And what was left was, just as he himself said, this vast ocean of brilliant awareness that extended to the ends of the universe. And he realized that was himself, that was his basic being. And he felt at that point that he had fulfilled his quest and that he had found out, you know, who he was. And he had found out the full depth of his own human life and what it was for. To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet Cry of the Snow Lion.